Don't just go through life, grow through it. Hi, and welcome to the Grow Through Podcast with Fee Dang. My name is Fee, and I am a human design life coach known as the Positivity Queen. I am passionate about helping you not to just go through life, but grow through it. Join me in this podcast, which will provide inspiration, motivation, and practical steps to help you live your best life as your most aligned and authentic self. Through my Soul Revolution methodology, the pillars of which are mindset, self-love, energy, and purpose. Ready to grow? Let's grow. Hello, hello, beautiful soul. Do you know what day it is? Do you know what day it is? <laughs> it is the 23rd of June, 2023, which means that my debut book, The Great Unlearning, Awakening to Living an Aligned and Authentic Life, is now available worldwide. Oh my goodness. I have been waiting for this day for a year and a half since the conceptualization, even beforehand, of what this book is. And this book is here to just give you a permission slip very much like human design, to be fully, unapologetically, authentically yourself. A couple of days ago, we hit number one on Amazon in some of the categories, which is absolutely crazy for a first-time author. I'm just so excited. I can't wait for you to read it or to listen to it. How to get your hands on a physical book? Well, you can go to your bookstore and order it. If you're in the United States, Barnes & Noble will be carrying it. If you're in Australia, you might like to order from Booktopia. Worldwide, the best place to go to is Amazon. It is also going to be available, well, it is available now on ebook as well as audiobook. Most definitely audiobook by the end of July 2023 because there's quite a process to getting those uploaded. But anyways, I digress, but not really because I'm going to share with you a snippet from the audiobook, Chapter 2, Timelines. So here it is. Chapter 2, Timelines. The learning, there's a set timeline of key milestones in life you need to achieve in order to be happy and fulfilled. Do you feel behind in life? Maybe your career isn't as advanced as you'd like, or you're struggling to pull together a house deposit. Maybe it feels like you haven't traveled enough, or that your money is hanging in the closet instead of sitting in shares. Maybe you're the single one while everyone around you is getting engaged married, or popping out babies. Who knows how many times you've tried to meet someone by swiping for hours. As you look around, it appears that everybody is living their best life and embodying their soul's purpose except you. It seems like everyone around you has their shit together and you missed the memo. Here's the thing. You've unconsciously drunk the Kool-Aid of the societal construct that life has set key milestones that you need to achieve to be happy, successful, and fulfilled. It sounds like I have to, and I should, by a certain time or age. It smells like success and status. It's the belief that life is linear. Do this, and then this happens. Or if A doesn't happen, then B and C won't. It's the hope that a magical formula exists to make life perfect. So, when you haven't hit said milestones, you feel hungover on your huge expectations and comparisons to others and may have thoughts such as, 
I should be, insert achievement, at this age. Or everybody else is except me. You're not alone. Many of us experience this because of timelines. From a young age, we're taught to think of life in terms of timelines and numbers. You start school at age five, you get your learner's license at age 16, you go to university at age 18, and you graduate at 21. Then, the timelines start to reference your career, love life, children, home, possessions, and achievements, the list goes on. These are all of the things you're supposed to be doing. I mean, can you even imagine a life where there is no timeline? This is all exacerbated by the fact that we are suffering from comparisonitis, which is again conditioned as a young child at school. See a pattern emerging? As children, we're constantly assessing ourselves based on others, whether it's grades, sport results, or even house points. From there, we become stuck in the benchmark of the people around us, which is where I was once stuck too. Click clack, click clack. The echoing sounds of my high heels were highly audible on the marbled floor as I made my way back up to the office. I just popped downstairs to get the standard 3pm, pick me up and please give me more energy and focus liquid lifesaver, coffee. I was wearing a big gold Michael Kors watch with champagne tones. To me, it was an elegant and stylish fashion accessory that carried a great weight of significance. My dad bought it for my 19th birthday before he passed away. I remember begging him for a watch like this, a strong statement piece. It was a status symbol for me. The watch screamed, look at me, I have a fancy watch vibe. I'm special, I'm successful, at a young age too. Yes, I'm a hashtag boss babe. I was pushing to get it for my 19th birthday because I wanted something special after the milestone 18th birthday. I just started law school and all of my new friends had nice new watches and attended private schools. My whole education was in the public school system. I wanted to fit in so desperately and prove myself not to be a poor public school pleb. Comparing myself to them, at the age of 19, they already seemed successful. They lived in huge houses with manicured lawns and perfect pools. They had fancy watches, designer bags, glamorous clothes, parties with unlimited bar tabs, and nice cars. Admittedly, my watch purchase was also inspired by the ever-so-chic character Rachel Zane in the TV series Suits, played by Meghan Markle. In fact, I had googled what watch Rachel wore and copied her. Rachel was who you aspired to be in law school. She had big brains and big beauty. She was always so stylish and sophisticated in her crisp white shirts, pencil skirts, and sky-high stilettos, which instantly imprinted in my mind that after law school, I needed to be just like Rachel. Megan was so chic, successful, and put together that she went on to marry a prince in real life. Just saying. Back to my story in the office. I was alone in the lift and checking myself out in the mirror as you do. 
it's human nature to compare ourselves, whether it's to what we see or who is around us. The mirror covered the whole wall of the lift, so the first thing you saw as you entered was your reflection staring back at you. I was impressed by what I saw. I was rocking my power outfit, a grey and baby blue striped blazer dress. This dress was my favourite, a classic menswear staple with a feminine and flirty twist. To match, I had brand new nude Tony Bianco heels. Stunning beauties, but absolutely painful considering I hadn't broken them in. I just refreshed the roots of my hair and had a blow dry. My makeup was on point, a natural polished look for work, of course. This was the epitome of success and having it all together, right? The unlearning. There are no set timelines in life. One of my goals was to be a manager at age 25. Technically, I didn't achieve that as I got promoted just as I turned 26. It actually took me a while to reconcile with the fact that I was so close, but I'd missed it. I felt disappointed because I was meant to be age 25. This was not part of the plan. I really had to push for this promotion. I felt I was behind schedule for that goal and career milestone. It was even impacting on my personal life as I didn't receive a pay rise in time to secure a one bedroom apartment to rent near the beach that I was yearning for. Funnily enough, I now live in an apartment on that street, even closer to the beach three years later. Instead, being in between places, I had to live with my mum an hour away from the city, in the suburbs surrounded by families and married couples. Looking at the silhouette before me, even though on the outside it looked like I had it all together and I was successful, a twinge of sadness seeped within me. I'd recently ended a situationship, feeling reluctantly heartbroken with my self-worth intact but bruised. A situationship is somewhere between a relationship and a situation. Although, let's be honest, more a situation. You're not officially together, but you're doing all the things two people in a relationship would do without the commitment. Sound familiar? This was the second time I'd ended things with this guy after I gave him another chance. I thought he'd matured given he had just turned 30. I had this belief that when he entered a new decade, that he would magically mature overnight, finally be over his ex-girlfriend, and be ready to commit to being in a serious relationship with me. Contrary to what dating columns and gurus had me believe, this experience taught me that commitment isn't an age thing. It's about being mentally, physically, and emotionally ready. Up until this point, I'd been single for eight years, my first and only boyfriend was my primary school turned high school sweetheart who cheated on me on a night out. It felt like salt to the wounds given earlier in the morning I'd been to a client meeting and vividly remember the advertising screen in the elevator promoting egg freezing. Great targeting work there from someone who worked in advertising herself at the time. As the mind does, it flowed to another fleeting moment from my past holding my grandpa's frail, leathery hand in hospital. It was such a sterile place, white, grey and clinical. I felt quite awkward, 
because unlike many people I know, I'm not very close to my grandparents. In fact, I can't even speak to them because of language barriers. You see, I'm in the first generation of my family to be born in Australia. I'm the only child of divorced refugees. My parents fled the Vietnam War on a rickety boat and met serendipitously on the way to Australia. Truly a story of fate. My dad initially wanted to flee to America, but there was no more room on the boat, so he ended up on the one to Australia, which my mum was on. Honestly, it's wild to think that I wouldn't even be here without a war happening. Growing up, there was always a conflict of values between the Australian way and the old-school traditional Vietnamese way. I dreamed of being an artist, but my parents told me I needed a stable and well-paying job. My grandpa was the latter. He grew up strictly Roman Catholic, married my grandma at 18, and had seven children. Yes, seven children. Being the firstborn in Australia generation for my family, I wanted to fit in and didn't want to speak a foreign language. I wanted to be Australian, a true blue Aussie. However, it was all stacked up against me. I didn't look like everyone else. There were no dolls or Disney princesses except Mulan that looked like me. I wanted to have long blonde hair and blue eyes. Instead, I had short black bowl cut hair and dark brown eyes. Given all this, the last thing I wanted was funny sounding words coming out of my mouth. My dad had told me I spoke fluent Vietnamese up until I went to primary school. Then I completely forgot how to speak Vietnamese and struggled getting it back. Admittedly, at the time, I was one of the only Asian Australians at my school and my family would make fun of my Australian accent, which completely scarred me. I've since been told it was out of love for my cuteness, but as a child who didn't understand, it was traumatic. The memory of them laughing at me as I tried to speak Vietnamese to receive red packets of money during Lunar New Year is still etched in my mind. Growing up between two cultures was hard as I didn't feel like I was fully accepted and belonged in either worlds. At the best of times, I can still somewhat understand bits of Vietnamese and in this very moment with my grandpa, I did. My aunt and uncle decided to leave me alone with him, which I dreaded because we can't communicate smoothly. It was awkward and disjointed. My grandpa, Ong Noi, as I called him in Vietnamese, asked me to hold his hand. He was in a sentimental mood. I learned later from my family that he didn't think he was going to make a full recovery. However, he did. He clenched my hand with as firm of a grip as he could manage and said, Fee, when are you going to stop traveling the world, spending all of your money and actually settle down? You know, find a husband, have a family, get a mortgage and buy a house. You're 25 years old. Enough is enough. No more playing around. You're not getting any younger. In fact, you're getting older. Compared to your cousins who all have partners, it makes me sad to see you alone and doing this. This is what your dad would have wanted for you if he was still alive. As he said this to me, I thought, yeah, I know grandpa. I also thought this would all happen by 25 too. Another vivid memory started playing in my mind. 
I'm 16 years old, scrapbooking, cutting out pictures from magazines and gluing them into a scrapbook. I'm thinking that I'll be married by age 25, living in a white picket fence home with a big backyard in Sydney at 26, a mother at 27, a CEO by 30, retired by 45. The kids will be 18 and independent by then, so hubby and I can drive around Australia seeing the red dirt of the Northern Territory in a cute but chic camper van. I can't pinpoint how I got this timeline in my head. However, I suspect it was from all the Disney movies I watched and what I saw on TV. I'll have you know that this is in contrast to what I would call the great stereotypical Vietnamese dream. This one would first and foremost focus on having the career, graduating from university around age 23 with an undergraduate of medicine or law and somehow also have the time to be married at 25, buy a home and fund your parents' retirement. You wouldn't dare let your parents live in a retirement home. It's still considered the ultimate insult and act of disrespect. Back to the present day. I'd never considered getting my eggs frozen, but here I was at 26, eight years single and not for lack of trying. I'd been on hundreds of dates, swiped thousands of online dating profiles. This may be a tad dramatic, but you get the point. The numbers were high. I really felt and believed that I'd missed the timeline and there was a high probability of being single in my 30s. The hopeless romantic in me was just becoming hopeless. I pulled out my phone and added to my ever-growing makeshift to-do list in my notes, look up fertility options. But as they always say, when you aren't looking, you find it. Funnily enough, once I accepted being single, I met Malcolm, who I'd end up being in a relationship with for three years. More on that in the love story chapter. Timelines have mostly been imprinted subconsciously on our minds. We seem to always be working towards a time frame, often speeding towards it. In fact, it's made us feel like we're always rushing to hit our next life milestone, whether it's love, money, or career. I've since questioned where I got the idea that I had to be manager at 25, with kids at 27, or my grandpa's belief that I should be in a serious relationship considering marriage and buying a home at 25. The problem is that when we don't hit these timelines, we feel like failures. We feel like we're moving slower than those around us and it quickly turns into a crippling game of comparison. It's important to remember that life isn't a race and it isn't a competition. You may have had thoughts such as, well, Sarah's my age, she's already married and owns her own property. Well, Mandy and I started our jobs at the same time and she's already an associate director. When my mum was my age, she already had kids. Have you ever questioned your thoughts and beliefs around timelines in life? Why do you have to get married by a certain age? Why do you have to be at the top of your career ladder by a particular age? Do you have to live based on a timeline? Life is a string of moments and each moment counts. Where you are right now is where you're meant to be. Life is a divine miracle unfolding in real time. At any moment, at any chance, life can change. Lawyer Amal Clooney, Ni Alamudin, met actor George Clooney 
when she was 35, went on to marry him and have twins. Vera Wang entered the fashion industry at age 40 and is now a household name. It's now even possible for women to have children at the age of 50 with the help of medical advancements. Nothing in life is set in stone. You aren't getting on a bus with a set timetable. We all know how reliable bus timetables are anyway. Think about it. More than 7 billion people in this world can't hit every supposed life milestone at the same pace and order. Everything's right on time because it's your time. I'm reminding and reassuring you that you're exactly where you're meant to be. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're just here right now. Maybe you're worried about going back to university and starting a new course age 29. That takes three years. By the time you finish, you'll be 32. Whether or not you do the course, in three years, you'll still be 32. You're nervous about never meeting the one and you meet them aged 37. Are you upset you're aged 37 or are you happily in love aged 37? The only thing that's keeping you behind is being fixed on a specific timeline. You can't be falling behind because who set the pace and tone anyway? You're allowed to move at your own pace. You're allowed to take your time. Life isn't linear, but an open and organic canvas. You're great on learning. One timeline. On a piece of paper, draw out a horizontal line and insert particular milestones you believe you need to hit and at what age. For example, married by 30, owning a property by 33, having kids by 35. Then, reflect on each milestone and ask yourself, where did I get this timeline from? This is where you find out where you've learned timelines from in your life. For example, perhaps you think you need to be married by 30 because when you were younger, your uncle Gary told your aunt Barbara that the dating pool dwindles after 30. Next, grab a pen and destroy the timeline. Go on, scribble on it, crumple the paper, set it on fire. On another piece of paper, let's create a mind map. In the center are your life intentions. From there, branch it out with all the things you'd like to achieve and experience in your life. Before you jot down the societally typical norms, such as marriage, mortgage, and kids, ask yourself, do I really want this? That's better. A life designed according to your heart and soul rather than a fixed timeline. Two, permission slip. Write yourself a permission slip and recite it out loud to yourself. Here's an example, but I encourage you to tweak it and make it your own. Dear insert name, I want to let you know that it's never too late. You're not behind. Everything's unfoldingly perfectly right now. I give you permission to live life on your own terms. I give you permission to take your time. I'm so proud of you. I love you. All of my love, insert name. Three, celebration journal. Keep a log of all your proudest moments and experiences in life. Ideally, you would have something to celebrate every day, no matter how small of an achievement or feeling it is.
it's important to keep comparisonitis at bay during this exercise. As psychologist Dr. Rick Hansen says, the mind is like Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive ones. Drawing from neuroscience, we need to overcome the brain's natural negativity bias by rewiring our minds to be more conscious of the positives in life. Return to your journal whenever you feel like you're behind to remind yourself of all that you've already achieved and will continue to achieve. So what did you think of chapter two? If you really liked it, if it resonated with you, if it's piquing your curiosity, I invite you to purchase the book, The Great Unlearning, Awakening to Living an Aligned and Authentic Life, either via, you know, a paperback copy, an ebook or audiobook. And, you know, read the book for yourself. There's actually 29 chapters in total. It very much is a coincidence given 29 years of life in my life so far. So I'm very, very excited. Thank you so much for your time and for listening. I am truly so grateful for you. Until next time, beautiful soul.